Hello and welcome to our latest Tap Talks HR podcast. This time we are talking to Trevor Pons, an executive consultant in assessment at IBM Conexa, about how assessment is being used in today's digital world. Well, hi Trevor, thanks for coming along. Hi, it's uh, nice to be with you, Anthony. So, um, just thinking about this topic now, why do you see this as an interesting topic right now, the world of assessment in a digital world? Well, if essentially um, at IBM, we are at the leading edge of um, security solutions for organizations who are trying to protect their institutions and businesses from um, threats um, which uh, have really materialized um, to a large extent in the last four or five years. So this is a new area. It's an area which is causing great consternation. It's uh, very much uh, part of our regular uh, newscasts in the press that there are issues arising for, for organizations and we we believe at IBM that there, we not only have security solutions but we also have people solutions which will allow companies to address uh, the need to find people to resolve and to, to support them in this new world. So this is um, obviously talking about people, obviously talking about getting people in the right position using the world of assessment. But I like the fact that you've actually brought it really into the modern age and you're looking at how cyber and cybersecurity is a real battleground really for HR about finding the right people. So can you talk, give me a little bit of background about um, why, why you got to this place? Why in the last few years you yourself and IBM are actually now thinking about assessment and cyber? Yes. Um, es- essentially, we were approached by uh, the UK Ministry of Defence three, four years ago. Um, and it, they had an issue with the fact that um, they were needing to find young people who could uh, fill roles uh, in a cyber environment and they were looking particularly at roles of defense and um, the ability to identify people who were bad actors doing things in the context of state security which were unacceptable and it became very clear that there was a shortage of people who they could easily identify um, who, and who could fill these roles that had suddenly started to appear as Im- important in our defense. And why do you think these were these these ideal candidates were hard to identify when we've been using assessment for say twenty twenty five years in various different forms? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think the main reason really is is that the nature of the the threat which uh, we've been faced with um, has not necessarily just been uh, an issue of uh, the knowledge of IT. Uh, it's very much been about the ability to. Uh, identify uh, ways to um, exploit uh, the digital world and to make sure that you can get into systems where we would not like you to get into. Uh, and I guess that the the, uh, the idea that um, has started really becoming prevalent is, is a realization that so many of the systems we have uh, are easily accessible to people who we do not want to give access to. So that's been the, the, the major change. And to try and identify people who are good in a defensive role and able to protect us um, has not been that easy. 
Okay, and, and can you give us an outline of, of the, this assessment? And you're saying it's slightly different for the roles that you're recruiting for, businesses are recruiting for. What is it you're looking for in these applicants that you think will make them ideal for cyber, which you wouldn't necessarily see just in an interview process? Right. I think uh, what we've discovered is that if essentially um, in the past people would assume that something which is complex and difficult to understand would require essentially um, classic um, cognitive skills of numeracy, um, logical reasoning, verbal reasoning. And what we've discovered in the research we've done is that the people that appear to be most competent in these roles are those folks that can think in terms of patterns, um, have the ability to be extremely thorough and rigorous in their uh, analysis of what they see in front of them in any system, and also can um, basically uh, check their, their work and are extremely accurate in that checking process. So these are skills which are not necessarily identified in classic cognitive uh, measures. Um, and so the, the nature of the, of the work that we've done um, has meant that we've been able to identify um, patterns of behavior which we think we can measure with different um, assessments. So that's that's basically our understanding of what we think is different with people that are, are good in a, a cyber context. And I know we were talking before we um, together before we started this podcast around the, in the, on the neurology scale that there's, there's some of these people who are excellent at looking at patterns, for example, might not be the best people for the interview process, the, the natural bias we have towards extroversion in our role plays and assessment centres kind of thing. Absolutely. I think, I think one of the most fascinating parts about this work is the extent to which we really are starting to identify the difference between those who are neurodiverse and those who are neurotypical and there's a real acknowledgement I think now that many people in the past who would have been seen as different and um, as not necessarily fitting into a classic organizational life actually have po um, amazing potential to be extremely useful um, and productive and uh, successful in these roles and and we believe that this is a there's a massive massive advantage for um, society to really consider these sorts of skills as 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 real benefits um, uh, which individuals can use to create you know good honest healthy working lives okay and just uh, just for clarity for some of our listeners out there who probably don't do as much well in the world of psychology as, as yourself, Trevor. What, what can you just give us an example? Of what you mean by neurodiverse? Yeah, I think the the, the classic examples on on the on the on the spectrum that we we know are those of us that have that have heard about dyslexia, um, autism, Asperger's. I mean, these are all examples of um, people on the neurodiversity spectrum, and it's interesting that in the various uh, studies that we're doing at the moment, we see individuals who um, have those conditions are extremely good at the ability to uh, resolve some of the problems that we've con uh, started to produce in the, in the assessments that we're currently designing. 
So that, that really brings us on to an interesting point, doesn't it? Because quite often you see the world of assessment, and I'm thinking of like graduate assessment and things like that, where actually the accusation sometimes is you're trying to find a, a pool of people who are quite vanilla in, in the end uh, and everything. But what the cyber assessment is doing here is actually looking very broadly about what skills are needed and actually looking very diversely and your studies have been finding out that people who might have been excluded from the last stages of recruitment process in the past are actually ideal candidates now. Absolutely. I mean, w what we're hoping is is that um, as the uh, awareness of uh, these uh, skills, which are contained in people uh, in on the spectrum, um, is 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 established, that um, it will mean that. If you can test them appropriately early on, without putting them through the the awful experience of a, of a face-to-face -face interview first, um, you you then make sure that you create the conditions where they are able to perform best in the final stages of a, of a recruitment process. But the, the 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 real challenge I think for many of these folks has been that they don't even get a chance to show their skills in the current environment because they they are not given that opportunity. The the the, the Traditional methods will sift them out in the early phases of a recruitment process. And, and I presume, therefore, that your assessment is an online assessment so people can be doing this in their own home. Absolutely. I mean, I, it would definitely be something which we would encourage individuals considering doing the test to, to do in an environment which suits them. Um, and to that extent, um, there are all sorts of ways that you could set that up, either uh, it, at, the, at the initial stage of the, of the recruitment process or uh, later on, if, if that's the point at which you would prefer to use the test. But I, 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 I guess that each organisation will have its own view as to where the most appropriate point would be. Okay. So, thinking that the audience here are, are mainly HR professionals, um, what do you think the uh, the role of HR is in this? Because I know you've worked directly with the MOD initially and then this has been able to produce a, a commercial product yes. that can go out now. So what do you think HR should be thinking of when they're listening to this? Well, what we have, have been uh, touting and, and suggesting is that within any organisation, you will, unbeknownst to yourselves, have individuals who potentially are gamers at home, they have jobs in your organization, um, who ha inherently have these skills, and you are unaware of those. So one of the uh, suggestions that we're making is that uh, we create opportunities where we can have um, talent engagement and um, uh, sort of recruitment fairs internally so that it, we, you can market the fact that cyber is an area where you would uh, look at people who potentially m might have some interest but don't have necessarily the qualifications. So we're very clear that uh, the potential pool from where you could find suitable people could be enormous and it could be within your organization. Um, the huge advantage of that is that it means that you cut out the notion of massive advertising and recruitment costs and also it provides opportunities internally for your uh, staff to, to think about alternative careers and alternative ways of work. Um, so that, that's, that's currently where we, we see the potential of the test and certainly in the UK MOD uh, and in other organisations that we're currently working with, uh, one of their attractions to the assessments that we're designing is that it allows them to um, access their own talent within their own teams. 
Um, and the big advantage of that is that effectively people will already have identified with their organisations and will be more likely to stay after a process of training and, and engagement. So, so actually, I mean, for a HR person, what you're, what you're saying is this is quite a hard set of skills to identify through a recruitment process. So actually, you could be using this assessment internally to find people with those behaviours who have already fully engaged with the culture of the, the business. Um, and, and therefore, rather than, as you say, trying to find a scarce resource externally, you might have people who are exactly have the right um, skills and behaviours to do this job, but actually don't know it themselves. It's like saying there's always someone who's a, a, a world-class pianist who's never touched a piano kind of thing. Exactly right. Uh, I mean, certainly we've got a couple of really good examples of where people have almost um, uh, sort of appeared out of nowhere um, and who are extremely good at this. And, and you know, the question asked, well, why didn't you tell us? We've, we've, you've never expressed to us that this is something that you enjoy doing or you have knowledge of. So we are really encouraging people to think internally and to think uh, in the context of uh, the, you know, the normal population. Within any group of people, there are likely to be uh, folks uh, who um, have these skills, and we suggest that that would be your starting point. Rather than going to an advertising agency and a recruitment company and putting together a campaign to look for people who have got experience in this area, find them internally and do some basic training yourself. There are lots of high-quality cyber academies out there at the moment that you could access to do your initial um, uh, development work. And then there are tremendous uh, new organizations providing cyber range for ongoing professional development. Um, and we believe uh, that the, the solution is very much in the hands of organizations um, and not necessarily through the classic uh, external recruitment process. So, don't, I mean, that's great. It's a great story about how looking at assessment differently can actually get you to solve a problem, which is quite a critical problem in the UK and in, in most of the the the, uh, the world actually about finding the the right number of cyber people in the future. Looking to the future now, what do you think? Um, is going to how this can evolve for the future and also what can business leaders be thinking of doing today after s listening to this podcast well yeah well I, I would say that there, there, there are two issues so so what, what are our plans for the future we are very clear that the assessments that we've designed so far um, are very much what I would describe as uh, ideal for entry-level roles so um, security operations center analysts perhaps level one level two level three um, and yet there are other roles in cyber which are just as important. So we've got the whole issue of penetration testing, of ethical hacking, of um, uh, in engineering, architectural engineering within, within a cyber context. And I guess we uh, certainly are planning to um, produce further assessments in that suite. Um, the second point that you made, Anthony, I've now... Well, business leaders for the future. Yeah. What can business leaders be thinking about? And so, so, so in terms of the, the future, as far as organizations are concerned, what we would like um, certainly HR leaders to, to think about is this threat is not going away. The digital world is going to get more and more complex and there are going to be, there's going to be greater demands for systems of defense and the ability to understand these very complex technological issues. And our... our um, 
suggestion would be um, think of ways in which you could um, identify people who potentially could fill these roles for you uh, and and do that proactively rather than wait for there to be vacancies and problems um, that, that occur within your business. So, so we do see this as a solution which could help solve a problem in advance rather than wait for it to happen. Yeah, and I think my learning today is very, very much around what looks like a very technical um, job role and vacancy actually boils down to behaviours and, and, and a certain type of personality and actually it's identifying those people who might have missed that opportunity through their, their school life etc of understanding what their real talents are and actually you're doing a great bit of service about yeah. corporate value and everything like that by identifying these people and giving them a great career. Absolutely. I, I think one of the points you've touched on there which is really important and perhaps needs emphasizing is that the test is actually a series of subtests. Um, two of them are very much around um, the thought process, the, 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 the fault finding and the pattern matching and checking and, and accuracy. But there's a third part of the of the assessment, which is very much about the nature of the of the person, their behaviours, the way they work together in in groups and in teams, and the extent to which we're looking for um, a a certain behavioural trait uh, or series of traits that support uh, the organisation. So yes, it's it's a it's a multifaceted test, which will give you a lot of insight into that individual and their ability to fit in with your organisation. Okay. Well, as always, Trevor, these podcasts rip by really fast and we're running out of time. So I'd just like to thank you for your time today. And actually, it's been given me a real insight in actually the most obvious route to your recruitment and selection is probably not always the best route. And we need to be thinking, actually, is there a better way of doing this? So thanks very much for your time today. Only a pleasure. Uh, thanks very much and to all you listeners I, I hope you enjoyed this podcast thank you for listening if you have any feedback then please do share it with us uh, make sure you've subscribed to the tap talks hr podcast link and to hear the latest from tapped uh, thank you very much and bye for now mm-hmm.